Welcome back to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations. And today, as promised, we're going to continue our conversation with the Reverend Ron Hunt. So there you are, this young man having dreams about being in that ring, being a, like an Eddie Guerrero. Uh, and where'd you go from there? Yeah, so uh, fast forward. So I graduated from uh, Union Area High School in uh, Newcastle. And um, that was 2011. And uh, it was always that dream. Like I said, it was that dream from from 98 all the way up until that time. Uh, it just became stronger and stronger. So me playing football, everything else. Okay, people might have been thinking I was weightlifting for football, but I'm weightlifting because I see this person over here. I, just, I see what The Rock is doing. I see what this person, I see what that person is doing. So I need to do exactly that in order to have an opportunity to go where they are. And um, it was 2011, and I told him, I said, this is what I want to do. Uh, so my parents made uh, what they thought was a deal with me, but it was the easiest deal that <laughs> I ever made. I'm not a betting man. Uh, they said, we'll help you with wrestling school if you promise to get some form of a higher education, if you, tr if you get your college degree. I said, that was easy. I was planning on going to college anyway, so that was it. That was an easy trade-off. Uh, so I had some family down in Florida. Uh, so I relocated re, uh, down to Florida in 2011. I trained with a gentleman named Off the Wild Samoan. Uh, it was him and his brother, Sika. They were known as the Wild Samoans. I remember after Yeah, Sika. yeah. The, sure. the, the Islanders, the Wild Samoans, them and Captain Lou Albano. And oh, uh, Lou. yeah, it, it was it was, uh, it was was a surreal moment. It was a surreal moment. I was down there for about six and a half, seven months. No kidding. Um, and it was one of those things day in and day out. You're, you're, you're sweating. You're hustling. You're grinding. I'm like, man, this isn't. This isn't as glorious as fake people tell you, man. I'm waking up and knots in my back and cracking stuff and ice packs and bruises and everything. Um, but I wouldn't have traded for the world. And I think that was my mindset of I was meant to do this and I'm I've came this far. I can't turn back now. I have to finish writing this story. So you were with Alpha and Sika. Yeah. Okay. So I was the original honorary. <laughs> I was original honorary use, but okay. no. So, but um, yeah, it was it was one of those things that just being able to surround yourself with people that were just as hungry as you, some that I consider dear friends even to today, yeah. um, and then being able to sit under a learning tree of a legend such as such as Alpha. Did The Rock ever show up? No, no. Uh, I'm, I'm actually sad, but him and I have had some interactions on social media yeah. a lot a lot of times. So, was Captain Lou still with us back in 2011? That was, I know he wasn't at the tramp site. Uh, I got to check that. I know I didn't meet him directly, but I know that we had a few people that came through. So you had your, uh, you had your Paul London's, um, you had Dully's that came through. They were right in that, that Florida area. I want to say that was even in the earlier stages, well before there was even like an NXT and everything like that, yeah. well before. Um, but just to be able to see some of those people that came and trickled in, we'll just sit there and watch and part some wisdom and then, but we kind of got to the point that you weren't starstruck at that time. Uh, all of us were there because it's a business. So tell us about the training. What type of, you just don't show up. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, very rigorous. Um, in that time, they would try to make you hate it so much that you would quit. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't anything in regards of hazing. It was to push you so they can sift out and see who really wants to do this. We weren't learning the tricks of the trade. We weren't learning the techniques of anything right out the gate. It was hustling. Actually, I tell people it was harder than football. And I played football for 13, 14 years. 
Way hard, way harder than football. You're talking about taking the bumps. You're talking about running miles. I'm outside running miles, uh, having to lift, uh, having to do push-ups, sit-ups, uh, uh, burpees and squats and everything, uh, taking out the ring, putting up the ring, everything like that. Then you will later get to that. And we're talking about a couple of weeks or so in. Um, but it was all a part of the sifting process. And I think for me, I was very fortunate about that because I feel like if it wasn't that rigorous, I would not have appreciated the journey. And and for me, that was the most rewarding thing. So every opportunity that I had from 2011 until now, um, I've appreciated every step of it because I understood that it took blood, sweat, and tears to get there. So what did you say to people who the naysayers who kept giving you reasons that you can't do it and that it was a waste of time? Buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> buy, buy a ticket. Uh, it, it's one of those things. It's, it's actually very rewarding uh, and irritating at the same time. You would have those that said, man, you really said that you were going to do that. And I, I never thought you'd do it. I had great friends that, you know, we're in the backyard and doing stuff on trampolines and breaking our neck and stuff. And they would say, man, we remember wrestling you in the backyard. You really, you really did it. You know? So for our audience, tell us about those times when you began to doubt yourself down there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't think that there was a, a time of a full doubt, but I tell you that there was definitely a, a time of tiredness. Um, and it's one of those things we're human. It, it'll happen with all of us um, to where you're like, man, man. And it seems like you're so close, but yet you're far away at the same time. You're you're close. You can see it. You can feel it. You, you, you're connecting with people, but you're still not at point A, or you're, I mean, you're still not at point B, you're still not at point C, you're here. And at times it may feel like you're stuck in the middle. And now you're like, how can I now get to these different points? So you trained there for seven months, seven months. Okay. At what point did somebody say to you, Hey Ron, I think you, I think you got it. I want to say about a month and a half in. Okay. About a month and a half in. Um, and it wasn't like, you got it, you're going it was enough, just like you were talking about planting those seeds. It was the seeds that were needed to be planted. Um, that I did not arrive, and I was nowhere close, but I was on the right trajectory. And um, for me, I think it was one of those things. We, we In the business, we call it the it factor. Some people just have the it. Um, and it's not meant for everybody. Um, unfortunately, sometimes our dreams and our passions and our callings may not align and that's per that's perfectly fine we always have some type of rerouting um but then there are those that sometimes those things kind of intersect right at the proper crossroad and i think about a month and a half in and even then i didn't know it they're like hey you, you know um, i've been very fortunate to to be able to pick the brain or have certain people see me and some of the same things that people have said in different states that but are, they're at different levels of success and the business that I come to love have said almost the same thing. And I'm like, I appreciate it, but I don't know what you're seeing. Um, but now being a coach myself and and looking back 11 plus years later and being able to train up the next generation, I can now see some of the things that they were talking about. Now when I'm talking to those that are getting broken into business now. Was the training every day, Ron? Every day. Wow. Every day. Uh, so that would be mainly what it would be as Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Or we go Monday through Friday. Certain days will be all your physical and agility. Other days will be conditioning. Other days will be film study. And then if you did have an, what we call an off day, you were in the car and you were traveling the roads with other veterans. And that was the main thing that they really wanted to impart in us. So although you're learning everything in the ring, uh, you can learn just as much 
of having your mouth closed and your ears open <laughs> with people that have more experience than you. And that was the biggest thing that I that I took away from that. And they were absolutely correct. A lot of those times, you know, unfortunately, you're driving in a car for six plus hours, eight plus hours. Uh, you talk about four hours. You talk that feels like four minutes to a wrestler now. But being able to just sit in the car and say, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or we're listening to some type of show. Or we're just hearing different stories. Or we're back, you know, we're backstage. We're, we're listening to people talk about the event. And now we're able to kind of say, oh, oh, that makes sense now. Oh, that makes but it's all seeds that are being planted that then you can look back on whenever your time is coming and all learning experiences. Well, quite often what we challenge people to do, sometimes I'll challenge people. I'll say today, how about listening to more words than you say? That's the main thing. That, that's the main thing. Um, there, there's, a, there's a saying that says a, a fool is known by the multitude of their words. Mm. And we can all learn something just by listening. And I tell people the word listen and the word silent are spelled with the same letters. No one more, no one less. So in order for us to properly listen, we have to be comfortable with just being silent. Sometimes being silent makes people uneasy. Oh, you're quiet. Very, very, <laughs> very much so. A long time ago, we did a podcast called The Deafening Roar of Silence. Yeah. So seven months. Seven months. And? And change. <laughs> but se seven months and going back to that, um, after getting to a point of, we, it, it, was a, it was a graduation point, but we always say that there's no such thing as graduation. You're always learning in this business. Even now, I'm still learning in this business. I still have my mouth closed, my ears open to veterans that, that know more than me in this business um, and at different stages. And so after that seven months, I came back. Uh, I went to Teal College in Greenville, Pennsylvania. And I studied in uh, media communications. I was still on the football team at that present time. Uh, but then at now, that was really where the beginning of my wrestling journey started. Because then I was able to apply all of this that I learned. Being able to do shows. Being able to see how different things work. Being on some shows that were great, phenomenal. Being on some shows that weren't so much. But every single step was a learning curve. So how does one do that? Does one knock on the door of a promoter and say, I'm a wrestler. Uh, then it was, it, there was, I mean, clearly there was social media then, so it was a connection of social media. Um, then also still, like what I was brought up in, is jumping into cars. Um, you, All of us have some type of connection. So someone knows someone that knows someone, and someone knows someone that knows someone that knows someone. Uh, so being able to say, hey, you know, I'm going to have a couple people with me. Do you mind if they come? And we're there. We help tear down the show. Uh, we help build the ring. We help with different stuff, bringing the merchandise back, bringing the ring attire back, um, being back to, hey, what do you need? Is there anything that you need? And being able to do that, I think once people are able to see you and see the quality that you bring, even if it's not what you want to do. So, for example, maybe I'm not wrestling on this show. Maybe I've been to this show three or four times. I'm not wrestling either time. But they're seeing me with a willing spirit with a positive spirit, helping tear down the ring, helping to bring the ring clothes back. Hey, what do you need? Oh, you got some new bottles? Hey, you're good. All right, let me get that real quick. And then doing that, hey, no problem. Let me know if you need anything else. That goes a long way. That, that goes a long way. A positive spirit and the willingness to do something. I tell people, oh, a little bit of something is better than a whole lot of nothing. 
Well, generally what I tell people is when you have interest, they'll have interest. And that and that's the thing. No, that's 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 spot on. When you have interest, they have interest. And, and I, I was actually just talking to a friend a little bit earlier today, but you can you can show up here and there. You can show up at the same places, giving people the lifelong opportunities. It all it takes is one opportunity and the right person to see it, and you're and you're off to space. Um, but yet you can you can fully pee it down the drain because you show up. You don't. It feels like you have no interest. You have no zeal. Uh, you have no vigor. You have no enthusiasm. And word of mouth travels a long way. You you don't want to be known as a person that just showed up and you were just there. Well, we often, when we talk about 12-step meetings, it's not just the people who come five minutes before and leave one moment after. It's the people who come 20 minutes, half an hour before, and stay half an hour after. Those are the people who catch the long-timer's interest. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that... Your actions, and we, we hear it, actions speak louder than words. I could say that I want it, I want it, I want it, I want this opportunity, I'm here for the opportunity, but then I just sit back, and if the opportunity doesn't come when I think it should come, <laughs> then I'm like, uh. So my, my whole thing, and I tell some of our students now, um, show up and show up willing to work. If you're not showing up willing to work, and I tell people now, we may have an opportunity for someone, but if you, if I know that you are not putting in the work when you feel that eyes aren't watching you, because that's going to show the true character of of where you are. You can you can show all the work in the world if I'm just staring at you, but what if eyes aren't watching you? Do you have the same enthusiasm? Do you have the same zeal? Uh, do you have the same interest? And if I'm not seeing that, then I'm like, hmm. Do you do you do you really want what you say is your passion or is or is your dream? Um, but some of the people that if I know that you can only do A, B, and C, and I see you doing A, B, and C to the best of your ability, I'm gonna give you more opportunities than a person that says they want A through Z and and they're not even willing to do A and B. Much of life is showing up, Ron. Tell us about your first match. Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. What <laughs> uh, to me, it was terrible. I think looking back at it, it wasn't. It wasn't. People were like, "Oh, it's not that bad, kid." Uh, it wasn't that bad. So I was actually in Florida. Uh, so that was that was a that was a trigger one at uh, WXW down there in Florida. Um, what was that guy? Was it Johnny? This guy named Johnny Smith. He goes by something now. He still he still wrestles. Um, but it to me, it was just like. Uh, uh, but looking back at it now, it wasn't it wasn't as bad for my very first match. Uh, they said, "Hey, you listen well." There's a couple things here, a couple things there. Uh, now looking back at it and see what I can bring to the table. But I would tell you the main thing that stuck out for me uh, just was the nervousness, but at the same time, the energy of saying, "I'm finally here. I'm finally about to walk out this curtain, and there's going to be a little kid." that may be looking at me like I was looking at that Eddie Guerrero match. And to me, that was powerful. I still get those chills now because that's the mindset that I want even now of someone, whether that's an adult, whether that's a child, whoever it is, someone seeing wrestling for the first time, someone that's been watching wrestling for 20 plus years. If I can just have someone feel seeing me the way I felt 
when I saw Eddie Guerrero. Just one person that I'm like, I you did. you might be the first exposure that person's had to professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's a heavy load. I think so many times we take it, we we take it for granted, but you you never know. And and I've had so many fans that came up to me and said, "Hey, Ron, you know, you've helped me with this, or you helped me with that." Um, some fans are surprised with like a tattoo of like a positive quote that I say in a promo. And I said, "Whoa!" And it's it's one of those things that it's it's super it's super humbling. It, it's super humbling um, that I still don't take for granted. I still don't you know just say, "Oh, you know, this is cool. Well, I deserve this." No, no, I, I don't deserve none of this. Um, but the fact that I'm just able to plant some type of seed that someone feels the honor enough, rather to get a a permanent tattoo, as you said, me messages. Each of those tattoos have a meaning to you. They're not lapses of reason. I've had plenty of lapses of. I've yeah. had plenty of lapses of reasons, right? But it, in my world, in the twelve-step world, when we give a lead at a meeting, we talk about how it was, what happened, and what it's like now. And it's always said that there's the lead that you prepare, the lead that you give, and the lead you wish you would have given. Yes. And I imagine that's a lot like a wrestling match. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where things might not go your way, um, and that's okay. Things may go a little bit your way. That's okay. Things might go a, a whole lot of your way. That's okay. It's okay no matter what step that you that you land on because you know that you can always have another opportunity to do something like that again. And that's the whole purpose with life, in my opinion. I always tell our students, if I'm just teaching you about wrestling or we're just teaching you about wrestling, and um, uh, I'm one of the assistant coaches at uh, uh, the Stronghold Training Center, uh, Brandon K. Dean Rafford, we always say, if we're just teaching you wrestling, we didn't do our part as a coach. But if you can get a life lesson out of this process, that's the main goal. Well, in the 12-step world, we talk about it's our singleness of purpose that bind us together. And I like when you're talking about the wrestling fraternity, the wrestling community, and you were talking about uh, how do we build each other up? We are our brothers and sisters, and, and the message that you're carrying of that solidarity among, among people. Absolutely. Um, it's one of those things where, and, and we often say that, especially with my brothers with Shane Taylor Promotions and us as a whole giving out to the world on a national level, we say, if not us, who? And if not now, then when? Um, and what we mean by that is, if we're not doing our part in the right now, then are we making the best? out of our power, out of our influence, out of the opportunity that we have to change the world in some way, shape, or form. Are we doing our job? You were talking about operating on faith in one of the podcasts I listened to you on, and you gave something that I'm going to steal, Ron, I'll mm -hmm. just tell you right now, that uh, when you sit in a chair, you don't check to see whether all the nails are in, whether all the it's screwed in correctly. You have faith that when you sit on there, that that chair is not going to break apart. So did you did you flip over those pillows before you sat down? You said this is a couch. I'm gonna sit on it. <laughs> no, I didn't check to see if, uh, if Mike had uh, booby trapped the couch. No, he probably he probably put an airbag underneath there and just didn't deploy it. But yeah, it's 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 really the that, that's really the 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 intricacy of that, um, and that goes with anything. You know, um, we we didn't check the couch before we sat in it. We don't we don't check our engine every single time that we jump in it. We don't, you know, bust open the gas tank and say, hmm, am I sure there's three quarters of gas in here? No, we're trusting. Hey, we put gas in it last week or two days ago, there's still gas there. There's still oil in the car. 
Did you even hear the crowd during that first match, Ron? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I was nervous. I think I heard my voice more than anything. So, <laughs> and my voice is like, oh my god, oh, 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 oh no, oh no. Yeah. Um, and, and now talking to students, now we tell them so. We're like, did you hear the crowd? You could have did this because the crowd was giving you this. We're like, we didn't hear any of that. We're just like, we're worried about. Okay, all right. What am I gonna do? What am yeah. I gonna do? And I'm like, I've been there. How do you deal with all that nervous energy after that match? You must have been exhausted. I still get exhausted. Yeah. I still get exhausted. Um, I, I say if you're not getting nervous right right before a match, then that may be the time that, that something serious may happen. Yeah. Um, if you don't have a little bit of jitters or a little bit of nervous, a little bit of jitters and nervousness is okay. Um, I always have, always have some form of nervousness or jitters. Um, and it's, and it's a point that I always joke. We, we joke, we call our, our, uh, our behind the scenes area right before the curtain. We say, man, we always have to go to the bathroom right before our theme music. Hits. Yeah. But it's the, it's the nervousness. All that nervous energy. Yeah. I don't think most people realize how demanding and draining that physical activity inside of that ring can be. I get the best sleep after wrestling matches. <laughs> The little bit of sleep that I get, I master naps now, but I get the best sleep after a wrestling match. Um, once that adrenaline comes down and everything comes down, it's a full crash. It's it's and I'm out. Um, and it's it's one of those things that you get used to it to a certain extent, but at the same time you don't because you're giving of yourself, you're giving of yourself, you're giving of yourself. Your energy is so sky high up there, um, but then there's going to be that time where it's just going to crash, and um, it's one of those things that that. Um, you still wouldn't trade it for the world. I think every time that I get home, it's just a refreshingness to me. Because um, even now, from going from, like I said, a fan from the beginning to being a pro wrestler for well over a decade, um, it still is the biggest honor. And wrestling is still a therapy for me. Uh, we say what we wrestle on is a canvas. We are the artists. Mm. So you are watching us. I tell people, people without knowing it, they see my most vulnerable sense of me as a person, not as the Reverend Hunt, but as Ron L. Hunt. They see me in my most vulnerable state when I'm in that wrestling ring. Well, you talked about also everyone that goes through struggles. So tell us about your decision and your journey to become an actual Reverend. Uh, this isn't a this isn't just a shtick yeah, to people. No shtick. This is a, this is for real, and Ron believes in what he says. Absolutely. Uh, so that's that started in 2011. I did a um, I was taking community courses at uh, Butler County Community College in Lawrence County, uh, right before I transitioned over to Till. So that was my two my two credits. I was like, all right, cool. We're gonna keep it moving. Um, and it was one of those things that you know, uh, like I said, my my father he's he's been a, a ordained uh, minister for well over 30 plus years. Uh, so I say that that's the OG. That's the Rev Senior. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm almost like the Rev Junior. So that's the OG. That's Papa Rev. Then you got my mom. She's Mama Rev. <laughs> it's a whole wrestling thing. Um, but it's one of those things to where um, it, it was really I felt a calling for me. Um, being a being a young man, I wasn't expecting it. Uh, I already had faith, my own personal faith, that I was just learning how to grow with and understanding different things that I've been through and how I got through it. And but that was kind of taking things to the next level for me. Um, so I tell people it wasn't by like a choice of trade. I really do feel like it was a calling. And even at that present time, I was 18 and I said, man, are you sure? Like, uh, you know, 
I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, you know, maybe it's just burrito that I ate. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that, you know, and, uh, and I'm just like, it's some bad food. Now. And I'm like, I feel a certain type of way. It's that time of the month. It's, I don't know what it was. Uh, so fast forward, it was one of those things that I kept shaking it. And we're talking about fast forward, Jim. Uh, I want to say about a good four or five months I was wrestling with that before I said, all right, this is really what God is calling me to do. It was about a good four or five months of me tussling. And we're talking about a physical wrestling. That was a spiritual wrestling battle for me. Ah, and uh, and I lost that one. A spiritual wrestling it battle. It was a spiritual wrestling battle. I, I lost that match, man. Um, and that was me wrestling with faith on another level. Um, and being able to see, and I think at that time with me on a personal level, uh, on a man to man level with myself was me saying, mm, I don't know. I don't think this is for me because I wasn't fully dealing with my worth on a whole nother level. Uh, Say more about that, Ron. Yeah. Yeah. So with, with me, I said, okay, I know I can do this. I can do this. I can do this, but this where I feel like you're pulling me, God, uh, I can't do that. No, I'm not. I'm not worthy of that. And I think to me that that was a part of uh, me really not understanding where I was and what I can bring to the table for others. So you're talking about a higher power having more faith in you than you did in yourself. Very much. Time. Very much. Very much. And I think when looking at it, um, we always have a why, 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 why no matter what we go through outside of spirituality, uh, no matter what we go through in life, we have a why, 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 why. And so many times we never look at the why not. And so the way that I looked at it is I was always like, why, why, why? Oh, wait, this why, why, X, Y, X, Y, X. And every time that there was a why, there was always a why not. And when did you begin to accept the fact, Ron, that you were worthy? Yeah, um... That, that I was, I want to say about five five months in, I actually, I went to my father um, about a week into going back and forth with that. And I said, Dad, I said, I think, you know, God is calling me in the ministry to, you know, to, to step out um, and minister to people. And he said, he was like, well, that's not my answer to give you. He was like, that's a conversation that you got to find out on your own. He was like, if, if, if I tell you something, he was like, that's doing an injustice. He's like, you have to have that heart to heart on your own. And he's like, then you can come back to me. He's like, well, sometimes we just have to ask people, who are you to tell God he's wrong? Yeah. And, and that, well, that's what that said. He said, he said, listen, I can't give you an answer. He's like, but I will tell you this. You cannot out God God. You can't. So, <laughs> so me, I'm like, well, why not? Well, why, why, why? He's like, why not? Well, becoming ordained, Ron's a commitment. Absolutely. You know, it's not just signing up for a bowling league. <laughs> yeah, I was what if not, I'm definitely not bowling three hundred. But <laughs> but uh but but yeah, it, it is a life commitment. I think that was another thing that I was wrestling with because like I said, I'm right at the beginning of this of this wrestling journey, me going to step out on this before starting to train. Um, but then at the same time I'm looking at okay, I'm also going to college. So as a young man, you know, I was I was you know, very well versed. I wasn't like a wild, a wild child in, in grade school or anything like that. But you're thinking college, you know, you see this movie and that movie, oh, college, and there's parties and there's this and that. But if I do this, now I'm putting a fishbowl. Now people are going to look at me and I can't do this. I can't do that. And from a physical standpoint, being 18, that's what I was looking at. Well, I don't know what I'm saying, but if I make a mistake here, if I do this, if I do this, 
And it was one of those things that really said that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be worth it. And, God, and that's all of all of us. God does not look for a perfection. He just looks for you to understand your worth and allow him to work with you that the way that you are. None of us are perfect. Um, there's a scripture that says, for we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that means that none of us will be sinless. None of us will be perfect. But if we strive to the closest of what we can do to be the best person that we can be, and as you said earlier, Jim, just meet him halfway and allow him to work with you where you are. Come to him as you are. And when I realized that, and it's easy to tell other people that, but when you have to deal with that on your own personal, now you're being ministered to. And with me, I think that was the light that really hit on me. Even when you look at his 12 disciples, none of them were perfect. You know, you had liars, you had those that cursed, you had murders, you had this, you had that, you had this, you had that. But he was still able to reroute them and work with them and allow somebody to understand them. And I think the biggest thing that we have, um, the strongest tool that we have is our own personal testimony of overcoming something or of getting through something and say, hey, if this can be done for me, why can't it be done for you? All we can share with people, Ron, is what works in our life. What works in our Nobody life. likes to be told what to do. Yeah, you can't you can't tell you can tell people what worked for you and what helped you. And and that and that's spot on. You can't tell people, well, you know, you need to do this, 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 but I can share for you my personal story and and then then allow you to make your decision for Well, you. we believe at the end, whatever happens, that the creator might say to you, I gave you gifts, talents, and abilities. What'd you do with them? What did you do with them? And I think that when when I look back at at wrestling, and I mean, there's a there's a whole accolade even, even outside of achieving his dream. Um, you know, former news reporter, former radio host. Uh, I still do acting. I do voiceover work. Professional wrestler. Um, but my mindset has always been: How can I use whatever this particular talent or this particular gift is, and use it to leave an impression and a mark on somebody's life, every single one of them. And and I told God this, I said, if someone can't take something away from whatever that I'm doing, then I don't want to do it. I, I I can care less about being famous. I can care less about being rich. I, I, I can honestly care less about it. There's no prize for being the richest person in the cemetery. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, cool, I got a gold casket. All right, cool. You know? <laughs> But, you know, cool, I got some good blades of grass, you know. But, you know, but the, yeah, just like you said, there, there's no price for that. But if I can do what I can do and share wealth, and I think people fail to understand that there's a difference. I can I can be rich, but I, it doesn't mean that I'm wealthy. And I think the true wealth comes from what you have to offer internally to give to other people to make society better. Well, you're talking about planting seeds, Ron, and, you know, sometimes we plant seeds for trees we never get to climb. Yeah. And that's the patience part of it. I was impressed in one of your uh, interviews you were giving, you were talking about if you were able to change one life and you want to you wanna just leave it better than what you found it. Just one, just one life. You, you can't change the world. So um, it sounds like you're also, at this point in your life, also a mentor. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I don't I don't know if I would. So uh, I've I've had a lot I've had a lot of people uh, people kind of say that, and I think it was a kind of an honor to to hear that, or, or just parents coming up to me and and saying how uh, how much their, their children look up to me, or parents coming up to me themselves saying, "Hey, you have really helped me," and I'm like, "Wow, it's it's it shocks me." That's an awesome responsibility. It, it, it's, buddy. Yeah, it's a heavy responsibility. It's, it's it shocks the heck out of me. 
Um, but being able to hear that, I, th I think it's a step back for me because I'm just so used to um, just trying to do my part that when I hear something like that, I stop. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, I, I didn't even know it, you know. I was really impressed when I was watching one of your interviews with uh, Ronnie Nicole and Theo Ivory, and you were talking about uh, equality and equity. Could yes. you talk about that? Yeah. You, you, we have so much that we can offer people. And when we look at it, a lot of people talk about equality, um, but there's no equity. So equality uh, means that we want to treat everyone on an equal playing field. And the way that I look at it is, if I have a person that is 6'5", I have a person that is 5'5", five five, I have a person that is five foot, and I have the same box that's on an equal level for everyone, as every single one of them step up, there's still a gap. We're treating everybody equally. We are. We're all standing on the same three-foot stage. But there's still that gap because you have different people at different levels. But from the equity side of things, okay, I have a six-foot-five person here. I keep them grounded. I have a five-foot-five person here. I give them a little bit of elevation. I have a five-five person here. I give them a bigger elevation. Now we're all grabbing the same reach. We're all at the same level at this time. And I think what it really looks back at it is, and, and, and there's there's nothing wrong with equality, but we also have to understand, in my opinion, that the equity is the most important. Mm. Um, if we treat everyone with the equality, there's still going to be some form of a gap somewhere. We can all come through the same door. We can all use the same elevator. But what if someone can't walk up those steps? We're all coming through the same entrance. We're, we're all coming through the same equal entrance. But what if I put a ramp here and then I put steps here and then an elevator there? Now we're all meeting in the same room together. That's the equity of it. I, I follow that and I hope everyone does out there too. Uh, on this show, what we like to do is promote uh, social justice. Then equity. And in fact, one of, our, one of our most listened to shows and one of the ones we got some blowback on when it was titled Jesus the Socialist. Uh, when I tried to explain that Jesus was the architect of socialism, mm -hmm. but yes, we are our brothers and sisters keep Yeah. Cause that's, that's what Jesus, Jesus's message was one of love, compassion, and forgiveness. Absolutely. And in that we, Mike and I, the producer of this show, we talked about if that isn't part of your, part of your personality and the way you present in life, then you might want to reexamine your identity. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things and, and we talk, and that's a, that's a great point. Um, there's no such thing as perfection. And when you look at the whole story, at one point, Jesus sat at the same table of people that the normal common man, woman, boy, and girl, common everyday person would have said, I don't know why you're talking about that. Even in today's time, we, we have people that say, oh, I wouldn't talk to this person. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. He sat with some of those same people that people look down on. And said, I'm going to deal with them. I know that they may be going through this and this and this, but I'm going to deal with them as they're in their current stance. Um, and when you look at a more progressive matter, uh, it, it's it's funny, because I, I, I bet you said a wrestling promo, uh, people are like, oh, well, Jesus would never do this. I'm like, well, I'm like, Jesus flipped tables because he had tax collectors not doing what they should have been doing at that present time. And the message that it leaves for me is, number one, we have to be comfortable with meeting people where they are and at the same time 
we also have to be comfortable of standing up for what we feel is right. I like the way you're talking. You had talked one for about, uh, we all come through various uh, struggles, Ron. And uh, I really enjoyed some of the conversations you were having with some of your friends on there. And they were talking about the struggles, particularly with, I'm a Quaker. Yeah. And you know, we have a strong belief and we try to help people educate on institutionalized racism. And if you, you can share with us whatever you feel comfortable mm -hmm. with about dealing with and overcoming some of the, the prejudice and things that you faced in your life, something that I've never experienced mm -hmm. and I wouldn't even presume to take those words out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely real. Actually, it was, it was crazy. Uh, I was just talking to my parents today. I, actually, it was, it was today. Um, they, were, they were coming back from somewhere and they were coming back from the airport. And um, my, uh, my mother, she was going through TSA and she was getting a bend or something like that, and she bumped into a guy. She says, excuse me, sir, can you move your uh, thing just so we can put in their tray here? And he said, don't touch me. You're black. This happened today. Yeah. 2023. Uh, and then some people behind my parents heard him. And it, it, was, it was a good amount of people that said, listen, sir, this is 2023. Um, and unfortunately, it's, it still happens today. Um, I've I've been through some things on a personal level grow, growing up, you know, um, certain things said to me. Uh, I've had my face spit into. I've been at wrestling shows, and I want to say in regards of the last two years of people calling me racial slurs. Uh, last year, someone calling me a racial slur. It happens. It, it, it's, it's a very real thing. Um, but at the same time, you also have to understand that the world would never be perfect. And I think what happens is, and I don't know if it'll, if it's a sense of guilt, um, if it's a sense of if we just ignore it, it just doesn't happen. If it's that that kid mentality where you feel like there's a monster in your closet and if you just throw your, your cover over your head and you don't think about it, it'll just disappear. Um, but these are very much real things that we have to deal with. And if we don't find a way to deal with it or find a way um, to transform it in a way and do our part, then it's going to keep happening. When I try to tell people, silence. You're you're as guilty as the you're you're as guilty as the person is committing it, um, because you're not willing to do your part. Um, your part doesn't have to be anything magnificent. Your part it doesn't have to be on a on a physical. You don't have to fight anybody. Uh, you don't have to do anything like that. You don't have to threaten someone. Uh, but we all have some form of a part that we can use with this thing that we call our voice, the thing that you and I are using right now. And it all starts with having these important conversations at the dinner table, in the city council meetings, um, at, at, the, at the different demonstrations, at the different protests. We all have a voice that we can use. Our strongest thing that we have is our voice. And if we're not using it, then we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what am I doing? Am I being a part of the change? Or am I just sitting back saying, oh, someone else can change it? Am I complaining? that a light bulb is burned out and I'm just going to keep complaining and say, if someone else changed it, I ain't changed it, but it's burned out. Or am I going to say, hey, someone have a ladder, someone have a step stool, let me change it. Well, Martin Luther King said, evil will triumph when good people do nothing. And that's the thing, that we don't do anything. If someone digs a hole and there's a pipeline, the pipeline's six feet down, someone digs a two-foot hole, you're like, why are you digging that hole? There's a pipeline there. Someone else comes, they dig another two feet. You're four feet down. There's a pipeline. Is there too? 
but I never do anything to now patch that. Someone's going to eventually hit it. So what am I doing to now counterbalance that? And, and, and just as you said, if we don't do anything. Well, in a 12-step world, Ron, we have a concept of do the next right thing. Yeah. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. And it says that our purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to the creator and to our fellows. Yeah. We have a saying that when something like that happens, we say, well, there but for the grace of God go I, and have some gratitude. But that can also be translated, run into, it sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I might, I might have to steal that. I'm not going to lie. I might have to steal that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's what it says. It's like, ah, oh, well, well uh, sucks, sucks to suck, you know. Um, but but what are you what are you doing to help? And and just because you're not going through something, doesn't mean that you just have to sit back and watch something happen. Absolutely, uh, not. we all have something that we can do, and I I often look at it as, um, it's a pay it forward, and that's what we that's what we talk about in wrestling. If I gained all this knowledge over the years, and I said, well, this is my knowledge, you get it on your own. Well, Bill Wilson talks about he was one of the co-founders of AA. And what he talks about, he says, gratitude must go forward. It's an action word. It is. It is. You must, you must do something with it. And if you're not, I'll have to say, if you're not going forward, and this is with life as a whole, but if you're, if you're not moving forward, then you're dying. As the world evolves, problems evolve, situations evolve, if I'm just standing still, the world will pass me by. But what am I doing to also progress myself and move forward along with the changes that are coming here. So, Ron, if the space aliens come down and they chose Ron Hunt to be a representative of the human race to say, okay, Ron, convince us that the human race should be spared, what's good about being Ron? I think the best thing about being me, and then I, honestly I'm no different than the world, but the best thing about being me is I have an opportunity to change a life. I have an opportunity to plant a seed, to have someone's mindset change. And that same thing that I look at as an optimistic situation is the same that every single person has. We all have the opportunity to plant a seed to help change someone's life. Why? Because someone did it for me. Uh, someone did it for you. Someone did it for Mike. Someone planted some type of seed to allow us to do something to get us to the point that we are in 2023. So what you're telling our audience is that you have a responsibility to carry the message. You have a responsibility to carry the message. That's my particular responsibility. That's your responsibility. That's all of our responsibility. But the thing is, how are we going to carry it? Well, Ron, uh, I know we didn't talk about wrestling much tonight, but I was so impressed by listening to your interviews. This is this is the message, at least selfishly and self-centeredly, that I wanted to listen to. Absolutely. No, you know, I truly appreciate it. And any time that we can do this down the road, always always want to come back. So I love Well, it. we always enjoy it. Maybe the next time we'll uh, we'll talk about wrestling, which a lot of people are interested in. Remember, I grew up with Bruno San Martino. Yeah. Okay? Dominic Ducci, Bruno San Martino. Dominic yeah. Bruno San Martino. Uh, all jumping Johnny DeFazio, yep. all those people. Those those were the people that I watched. And uh, but Ron, you've been absolutely delightful, and uh, we hope that you won't be a stranger on this show. Preset. Anytime you need me, I'm here. Okay. And at the end of every podcast, Ron, we offer a uh, free prescription 
fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and unplug your television, and take up fishing. However, for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait, a lifetime without expectations. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. If we're all not God's children, none of us are. Namaste, my friends. Okay. And welcome again to Fishing Without. I'll do it in the end. Okay. <laughs> he was he was ready for it. Okay. And we'll continue our conversation on our next podcast with the Reverend Ron Hunt. And a free prescription. Fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste, my friends. And we'll continue our conversation on our next podcast with the Reverend Ron Hunt. And a free prescription. Fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste, my friends. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait.